Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ once again. We appreciate the Lord for his grace and mercy. Uh, and I hope that the Lord is taking uh, good care of you uh, because our God is good. Now, without waste of time, let us just bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, 
We appreciate you for your grace and mercy. We appreciate you for all that you are doing for us. We appreciate your care, your healing, and the stability that you provide in our lives. There is no God like you. You are an amazing God. We love you. We appreciate you. And Lord, as we are going to speak tonight, we invite you to come and be part of what we are going to speak about. We pray for everyone that would listen. May it be a blessing to them. Anoint my lips as you anoint their ears as we commit everything to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you richly. Now, uh, I said uh, I just want to speak on victim of circumstances. Victim of circumstances is what I would like to speak on, but before we do that, let's just read the weight. In the book of John, the first chapter, uh, or yeah, John, the uh, first chapter, from uh, verse 45 and 46, rather, that is the book of John, verse 45 and verse 46. It reads in this manner. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there, can there anything good can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. The phrase that I am very much interested in is the phrase, Can there, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? I said I want to speak about the victim or a victim of circumstances and looking at overcoming. It's what I want to speak about this evening. Now, when you read from the scripture that we just read now, you get a sense that Nathaniel was quite skeptical about Nazareth. And we are told that Jerusalem was the most holy city. Bethlehem was the most holy city. However, the city of Nazareth had an ill reputation. It's what we would call 
as sin city. If it were today, I would call it Nazareth or equate Nazareth to Los Angeles. That's what I would equate it to. It was a sin city. Now, to the mind of Nathaniel, he couldn't comprehend that the Messiah could come out of Nazareth, such a, a holy being, an anointed one coming out of such a sinful city. It just did not click in his mind. Now, before I get anywhere, I just want to play a clip of Brother Brenham. As I say, I'm going to speak about uh, the victim of circumstances. And I will make a comment to post this video. When I was a little boy, right up here where Ike's lived on the road, I was about 14 years old. I was trapping for a living. The only thing I had to help get bread in our house was catching skunks, muskrats, possums. I loved trapping. And I had to do it. I'd go to school smelling like a skunk. And I, I had only one pair of clothes, that's all I could wear. That's all I had. Mom would take them off and wash them, put them back on. Now that's how I went to school. Little boy. But I stand up there one night and I said, I got them traps set up there around Wathens up above that. I leave every morning by two o'clock with a lantern to run these traps and I get back in time to go to school. I catch a rabbit, I got 15 cents out of it. I get a box of shells out of that and maybe that kill three or four rabbits. What we didn't have to make some biscuits and rabbits while so uh gravy for supper I'd sell the other maybe get enough to get some bread or some meal or some flour to make gravy with I don't know where you had to live like that or not I'd set trot lines on the river go down and get them fish and sell them for 10 cents a pound set my trot lines I didn't have no boat I'd swim out with a log get in the river and it's still cold put my bucket of bait out here on the log and to paddle and paddle out there I got my naked potty in the river and run this have me a string on this side tie my fish up I'm old catfish fitting me in the lake going along like that and put my bait on. But look, a many a night have I went out in that river at 11 o'clock and shake every piece of bait off that line. If I couldn't catch enough in six days, I didn't want the one come on the seventh. I stood there in the rain one night. I can just see myself yet standing leaning against. I was a sinner. I stand leaning against the post like it's the door. Oh, it was pouring down rain. Pretty near 11 o'clock, I said, I'll be late tonight. But I'm going to spring every one of those traps. I won't catch him on the Sabbath. I said, I won't, I, I won't set them traps. God honored that. I remember the time when I always wanted, I always, all my life, wanted to be a hunter. My grandfather was, you know, my grandmother come off the reservations. She drawed a pension. I just love outdoors. And I remember I always wanted, I, I just wanted all my life, thought if I could ever get enough money, that I could own a 30-30 rifle. If I could ever do it. Then I'd get a bunch of traps, I'd go to the mountains. I let the rest of the world go by. I thought maybe sometime if I'll take my 22 and practice to be a good shot, some hunter sometime will want me to go along. If I get to be a pretty good shot, he'll let me go along for his protection. I'll get to go hunting. I look hanging on my walls and the best rifles that money can buy hangs there. I can loan people rifles to go hunting. He lets me go into the mountains and preach to some of the best guides there is in the world. Takes me hunting free. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Uh, even this morning, an old deer hunter here somewhere with a 35 Remington. I didn't really need the rifle. 
But he put his arm around me and said, He's getting too old to hunt. I want to give him my rifle. I thought of that when I was a little boy. How if I'd ever thought I'd owned a rifle like that? Oh my, what it would have been. And now I just think hanging there on my wall. Fine rifles, places to go hunting. I remember going out and the boys would buy ice cream cone. And sometimes some of them would have an extra nickel and they'd buy me one. My, I couldn't buy them one back. I thought if I, and they sometimes used to buy these old what we call mudlark hamburgers. Don't know where y'all remember enough some of you old timers. You get it for a nickel, a whole lot of fried onions with it. Oh, I love those things. A little kid, we didn't have this cornbread molasses. You know how it is to eat. Now, somebody buy me one of them hamburgers. Boy, I'd lick my fingers where I held it. It was, it was, it tastes so good. And I thought, boy, that man, if I could only buy him a hamburger. And now I can buy a church their supper. I remember all those things. And where did it come from? The grace of God. Nothing that I did. I remember going down the street and I talked to somebody. My father, you all know it, he drank, he made whiskey. And nobody had nothing to do with me. I'd go down the street and try to talk to him. And I still meet that man today. Try to talk to somebody. If there's nobody else to talk to, they'd stand, yeah, mm mm-hmm. I was a Branham. So I'd feel real bad and turn around and walk away. I'm not guilty of that. I didn't do what my daddy did. I never drank in my life. Why do I have to stand that? Now I was telling the wife here not long ago, I almost have to stay out of town. God has done been good to me. I thought over there where he told Nathan sitting there one time, Nathan, David said, is it right for me to live in a house of cedar? The ark of my God under a tent out there coming. Nathan, the prophet said, David, do all's in your heart because God's with you. The prophet made a mistake. Not willingly, that night the Lord comes to the prophet and said, Go tell my servant David. I took him from that sheep coat, herding them few sheep out there. And I give him a name like great man that's in the earth. Never said he give him the greatest name. He just give him a name like great man that was in the earth. I've done all these things for you, David. I've cut off your enemies wherever you went. I've been beside you. I've never failed you. And I won't fail you. But I can't let you build a city. I thought of that, of a place now where God has helped me and let me know great man let me go around the world and people from around the world calling to come pray for them and sick people and wanting a few minutes with you where just a few years ago they wouldn't even turn their turn their head to see me on the street and now the businessman prosper by the people that are bring into the city and have here through their food and their motel bills and things like that uh, going to the motels and around in the city and things like that and people who pumping didn't love me at all nobody had any use for me and now by the help of God I believe it I'm directing the bride of Jesus Christ oh amazing grace how sweet the sound where did it come from my education I have none where did it come from my personality I have none did it come from my knowing of theology I know none what did it come to the grace of God that saved me it's grace that taught my heart to fear it's grace my fears relieved how happy did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It's grace that brought me safe thus far. It's grace will take me on. And when we've been there in that city 10,000 years, it's brighter than the sun. We'll have no less time to sing His praise than when we first begun. Oh, how I love Jesus. That beautiful name that saved me when I was a, a sinner that healed me when I was sick that gives me the promise 
of a home in that city. I got a home in that rock. Nothing else matters now but to get all of God's children together and say, let's go. The hour, the midnight is striking. It's later than we think. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the closing of a perfect day. As we would stand on the mountaintop and watch the sun when the red streaks come up across the great western mountain genre and the great eye closes itself. The birds begin to make their way to the nest. It's coming night. We've seen another great spiritual day when the Holy Spirit has been helping us to answer these questions. Now we're going to our nest, Lord. Take care of us. Don't let nothing strike us, Lord. Keep us from the serpents of the night and the evil. May God be near us at all times, protecting us and helping us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll bless each and every one that's been in the meeting. Those who could not be all that hears the tapes, may the questions not be too strong. And if I've made a mistake, Lord, you know my heart, I didn't mean to. I pray, God, if there's anything wrong, that you'll never... Never let it go on. May the tape stop. Don't let me deceive anybody, Lord. Let me be your true servant. For that's my whole heart's desire. Whether I live or die, whether I tarry or whether I go on, whether I sleep or whether I'm awake when he comes, it doesn't matter to me, Father. Thy will be done. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And at the last days, he'll stand up on this earth. No way the skinworms has destroyed this body, yet my flesh shall I see God. That was the prophet Job when he seen the coming of the Lord. Lord, today as your servants, we look forward and see your coming. So it doesn't matter to us, Lord, when, how, where. We only want to please you. We are in your hands. Keep us, Lord, until the sun's up. Grant it. And then we'll all march up to Zion for that city where the Lamb is the light. My dear little children here, Lord, that I have begotten to you through the bonds of the Bible. They are the fruit of this word. They love me and I love them. And I know that you love all of us. We pray, God, that you'll so impregnate us with thy word that we can see only him. Granted, Lord, may we be so full of his word that the Spirit can use us anywhere at any place to manifest any word that he has promised. Grant that to all of us. We appreciate it a lot. I just wanted to take you through that and just show you what the prophet of God went through. <clears throat> Coming from a poor background, had to, he said, he had a, an interest in trapping to make a living. And later he tells you how poorly he was raised. 
a poor background where nobody would even look at him. But now he speaks, he says, by the grace of God, I'm bringing people into the city that even businesses are prospering because of how I'm bringing big numbers into the city. He says, there were times where people would not look at me, but today, by the grace of God, they can look at me. Now, I'm showing you that despite the circumstances or the circumstance that Brother Brenham was born into, he did not become a victim of those circumstances. By the grace of God, he rose and overcame. Alright, we are back. What I'm going to do, because I'm having a bit of a problem, I don't know what the devil is keeping on attacking the network. The network looks good, everything looks good, but somewhat it keeps on lagging. If it keeps on lagging, what I'm going to do, I'm going to switch off the camera and I'm going to go through the audio. So don't be surprised if you don't get to see me if it keeps on lagging. Now, I said we are all victims of circumstances. In the message, what Wendy out to see, paragraph 61. What Wendy out to see, paragraph 61, the prophet says, you can't help being what you are. Even if you are a sinner, you are not responsible for being a sinner. You are responsible for remaining a sinner. So that means when you were born, you were born in a sinful environment or what one would call a circumstance. You are a victim of a circumstance. And God would not judge you for being a sinner because you are not responsible for being a sinner. You are you are responsible for remaining a sinner. Let me read this quotation because now I'm getting excited. You can't help being what you are. Even if you are a sinner, you are not responsible for being a sinner. You are responsible for remaining a sinner. There is a way prepared for you. But to be a sinner, you are born that way. God doesn't send you to hell for being a sinner. God sends you to hell because you won't repent and take Christ as your Savior. You refuse to take the right road. You send yourself to torment. You send your soul to its eternal destination upon the free moral agency of your own convictions. God does not send anyone to hell. He never did he, and he never will. Men send themselves to hell because they refuse to accept the way of salvation. He is long-suffering. He doesn't want any to perish and never wanted it. Now, this quotation simply paints a picture that 
what you are, how you are. You are born into a sinful environment or a, a sinful circumstance. You are a victim of that circumstance. You did not design or choose to become a sinner. You were born a sinner. And after you were born a sinner, you can never be judged that you are a sinner because you find yourself in a circumstance that was not created by you. You are becoming a victim of the circumstance that you find. But remaining in the same circumstance is going to make you to be accountable. I hope we are together here. Being born a sinner is not your responsibility, but remaining a sinner is your responsibility. So you're going to come into certain circumstances, even in life. You may have been born in a particular circumstance. You being born in that circumstance is not your responsibility. It could have to do with your background. It could be doing with whatever your parents did prior to that. It, it, there's a host of factors that may have affected the circumstance that you were born into. Now, you're not responsible for it, but you remaining in it, you'll be held responsible for that. Now, I hope we are together. Brother Brandon, when he preached the message, the blushing prophet, as he was preaching this message, he made an altar call and he made something, a striking statement when he made the altar call. In paragraph 101, one, one. he says, To see these young women coming, weeping, life before them, they are at the crossroads. They are victims of circumstances. And we're going to unpack because Brother Branham referred to many people that came even during the discernment, and he would call them that they were the victims of circumstances. Now, when you are the phrase a victim of circumstances, it means you are born or you have become part of factors that were beyond your control. You were involved in factors that you were not the architect thereof. That's what we call a victim of circumstances. So it says, these young women, as they are coming, weeping, life before them, and they are now at the crossroads, they are a victim of circumstances. Now, I wonder today, as we speak right now, how many people are victims of circumstances? This is where I think I need to provoke a sense of community in you. Anything that you do, you may do it as an individual, but the ripple effects of it may affect somebody immediately or down the line that they had nothing to do with your actions. Let me repeat this. There are certain things that you may do as an individual. And these things that you are doing as an individual, they may affect people in your immediate environment or down the line, people that had nothing to do with your decision 
to do what you are doing. So therefore, it tells you that we have to be responsible. We have to be accountable. We have to be cautious. We have to have a sense of discernment whenever we do anything. Because anything that we do, we are going to be held accountable. Or is going to affect other people that may not necessarily be the originators of our own actions. Now, when Brother Branham says, you were born a sinner, but no one can hold you responsible for being a sinner because that's how you were born, but remaining a sinner, you'll be responsible. I think it brings to the, to, to the mind the message that he preached, condemnation by representation. In the message, condemnation by representation, the prophet of God, they, he tells you that we are all condemned because of one man, Adam. And he comes, he says, we are now ordained to eternal life again by representation because by one man we perished and now by one man, the second Adam, we are saved. So already tells you, I'm speaking about representation here. So you being a sinner, you came to the world, born in sin, shaped iniquity, came to the world speaking lies, it had nothing to do with you. It's because of the decision that Adam made in the Garden of Eden. However, remaining in that environment, God is going to hold you responsible because he made a way of escape. So when you are born into a circumstance, you are not responsible for the circumstance. However, if a way has been made, a way of escape has been provided for you in that circumstance and you refuse to leave that circumstance, you are now being responsible. The originator of that circumstance is no longer responsible. You as a resident, a willing resident of that circumstance, you now become responsible. I hope it will make sense as we move right along. I want to bring something that the prophet spoke about. It's a case that he spoke about in the message, The Waters of Separation, paragraph 7. In the message, Waters of Separation, paragraph 7. He says, I was in Calgary, Canada. And a boy come in. They had him in a straight jacket. That means they had constrained him. And they come in the back of the room. And he was cursing and carrying on. And I never had such in my life. And the father was trying to hold him. And when he got on the inside, he looked over to me and said, William Branham, you haven't got nothing to do with me. Oh, that father looked up and said, he doesn't even know his own name. How did he know your name? Now the prophet says, I was standing of a great distance from him. Oh, how he was cursing me and carrying on. 
He said, you haven't got nothing to do with me. And I asked the audience if they would just be reverent. The ushers come to take him out. Just then I seen the Holy Spirit move out. The angel of the Lord. I said, now, bring him here just a minute. When they went to bring him, he started kicking and frothing and biting. He was in a straight jacket. They brought him up close. And then when the vision come and told just what it was, a sin that had been committed by his father that caused the child to be in that condition. The father fell down and repented. And when that evil spirit went from that boy, thousand times, thousands of people in the stampede grounds there that night looked and like a great big spider in a black shadow floating around. Oh my, it was really quiet. It went around out of that place, out through the building and went away. Now, when you look at this case, the boy had nothing to do with this situation. It was not the boy's doing. However, this boy had become a victim of a circumstance that the father was the one that was responsible for. Hope we are together here. Even when the father brought the boy before the prophet, he did not know that he was responsible for what the boy was going through. He did not know that he was the architect of the circumstance of the boy. To him, it was just that the boy is sick, the boy has lost his mind, but however, upon under the prophetic eye, the prophet was able to pick up that the problem was not with the boy, but the boy was a victim of a circumstance that had been created by the father. Now it begs the question, how many times do we blame our young people? How many times do we blame our children? And when we blame them, we say they behave in this way, they do this, but we never take responsibility that some of the actions and some of the behaviors and some of the conditions and some of the circumstances that they find themselves in, it could be that it was not out of their own doing. It could be because we, as the parents, created a circumstance in which they were born in. Even you, as a parent, late in your years, it may be that you are caught up in a certain circumstance and it's not your own doing. You just found yourself in this circumstance. But again, you, you may not be the architect of it. Somebody might have created that circumstance, but God has made a way for us to live every circumstance that we found ourselves in that we were not the architect thereof. And we're going to try to help you this evening in terms of how do you live
such a circumstance. Now, let's read here in this quotation, expectations. Paragraph 72. The prophet here, he speaks to a sister that had come on the platform. He says in paragraph 72, All right, bring your patience in all right, sister. Then he says, oh. You know, when you say oh, it's an expression that there we go again. Oh, victim of a circumstances. Trouble. I've seen much of it in your lifetime. Seen much of it in your lifetime. This sister had seen this trouble most of the time in her lifetime. I don't know what the circumstance is. Some circumstances are private. Some circumstances are, are, are hidden from the public eye. I don't know whether maybe the sister was a victim of a domestic abuse. I don't know. I don't know whether she may have been subjected to something in her family. We don't know. But the prophet says, oh, a victim of circumstance. Trouble. Seen much of it in your lifetime. Now here, you are suffering with a back trouble. Right across your back, you have pains all the time. You got a swollen spleen. You have heart trouble. I want to show you how a circumstance can result in a chain of sicknesses that were triggered by that circumstance if you don't deal with that circumstance. You got a swollen spleen. You have a heart trouble. You did have, but you don't know more. Your faith has healed you. Go home and be well. That's the way. That's the way. A person have faith like that little woman. They would all get healed out here, there in the audience now. That's right. Have faith in God and do not doubt. And I hope tonight as we are speaking, and I am aware that I may be speaking to people that are caught up in different circumstances. Some known, some unknown. But now, if you can have faith like this woman, you will be able to get out of that circumstance. And if you don't make a way to get out of that circumstance, that circumstance is going to drown you, and it's going to create a vicious cycle where that circumstance creates another circumstance, or creates another disease, or creates another situation. You have to deal with that circumstance. There is sufficient grace. There is sufficient grace for you to overcome your circumstance. Now, some people, when they are born into a circumstance, when they find themselves in a circumstance, some people develop what we call a complex. As brother, some can become perennial victims of self-pity. They want everybody to feel pity for them. And in the message of the eagle stirreth up her nest, paragraph 172, 
He says, a complex self-pity. You are in a pitiful condition then. That's really true. When you get to pitying yourself, you want everybody to pity you. And you pity yourself. Now, here the prophet is painting a picture to you that once you become a victim of a circumstance, that circumstance can create a complex. I've seen people walking around with a complex because a complex is a byproduct of a circumstance that you couldn't handle. Hear me and hear me very well. A complex is a byproduct of the circumstance that you failed to overcome. And if you don't overcome that circumstance, chances are that if you are a parent, your children are as well going to become a victim of that circumstance. So that is why everyone that hears the gospel has such a great responsibility because God, through the gospel, mandates you or has elected you to be a cycle breaker in your family. There are certain things that run in your generation. There are certain things that run in your family. But you, in your family, you can rise and become a cycle breaker. Now, you must have met a lot of people that go around feeling pity for themselves. They want the church to feel pity for them. They want colleagues to feel pity for them. They want the community to feel pity for them. When they are married, they want their partner to feel pity for them. But I've got news for you. Life is a battlefield. Life on its own is not a rose or a bed of roses. It is a battle. As long as you wake up every morning and you are breathing, you must know that life will present a battle and after a battle to you. What amazes me is that I have met unbelievers that have gone through adversity. I've met sinners that have gone through adversity. They have gone through horrendous experiences. But yet, despite the lack of revelation and despite them being sinners, they have never blamed God. It's amazing to find a sinner that is in the midst of such an, a, a bad adversity. And while they are in the midst of that adversity, somewhat they console themselves with the quotations, but you find a message believer that is under the pillar of fire, the message believer who has been sent a prophet in the end time with a message of the hour, with an army of other believers surrounding them, but you find them, they always want to find somebody to blame for their circumstance. I've seen it. Now, it boggles my mind. You find that here is a woman, she's a sinner. Maybe she gets involved in an accident. Her husband dies. Her children die. And she remains alone. She buries them on the same day. But right there, as the burial is going on, she keeps on saying, Jesus is still the Lord of Lords. Then you find a message believer who just loses a husband and quit worshiping God. Why? They become a victim of a circumstance, but they don't rise above that circumstance. Folks, 
In the message, the fundamental, paragraph 48, the prophet says, first, you were born here to control all circumstances. I think this is on your screen. Maybe you must read it with me where you are. Don't be ashamed. Read it after me. Read it after me. First, you were born here to control all circumstances. Read it again. And when we read it, understand that it does not say God was born or Jesus was born or the prophet was born. This is the prophet messenger who never preached without the angel of the Lord gracing the services in which he was preaching. This is the prophet whose utterances were filtered by the pillar of fire. We have heard it on tape when he says, if I do anything that I should, if I say anything that I shouldn't say, Lord, put a stop on that tape. So anything that was recorded on the tape, it was authorized by the pillar of fire. And here is a profound statement. Firstly, first, you were born here to control all circumstances. You were not born here to become a victim of circumstances. You were born here to control not some of circumstances, but all circumstances. If it is family circumstances, you were born to control that. If it is whatever circumstance, whatever, if it is marital circumstances, you were born to control that circumstance. And here, I can take it further, even when it comes to finances, you were born here to control that circumstance. So anything, you, you must come to the point where you become intentional, where you have daily consciousness of what you were born to be and what you were born to do. The prophet says you were born to control circumstances, a sinful circumstance. Whatever circumstance, a, a, a sickness circumstance, whatever circumstance that you find yourself in, hear me and hear me now, you were born to control that circumstance. You are a victor. You are ordained by God to be victorious. You were ordained and pre-planned by God. That the, yes, there will be circumstances. You will be born in this circumstance. You will born, be born in this family. You will be born in this community. You will be born in this town. And there will be certain spirits that control that town, that family, that community. But you, as an individual, you were born to control circumstances. And actually, every circumstance, behind every circumstance, there is a spirit. So I can take it further and say, you were born to bring all the spirits under your control. Not for your own glory, but for the glory of God. Now, then it makes us that despite what we have been through, despite what we have experienced, despite adversities that we have gone through, then we need to turn around and embrace grace and not grievance. 
You know, there are people that are just full of grievances. When you become a victim of circumstance, then you become, you, you become, you, 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 you have a grievance. It creates a grievance. And a grievance creates a complaint, daily complaint. And daily complaint creates sicknesses. Here's Jesus. He was born, preached the gospel, made, performed so many miracles, went all the way, hung on the cross, asked for water, but is now given a vinegar. At no point in time did he blame anyone, even on the cross, with blood oozing out of his body, even on the cross with those bloody wounds, even on the cross with that crown of thorns, even on the cross when he requested for water, he was given a vinegar. He remained the Lord of Lords. He remained in control of that circumstance until he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Somebody says, it was the Lord Jesus Christ is understandable. Let's bring Stephen. Here's Stephen. Stephen is being stoned. But as he was being stoned there, he, he transcends the circumstance. He utters exactly the same words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them. And he's ushered into a certain realm. Why? Because it was by grace and it did not breed grievance. Oh, people are moving around with a lot of grievances. A grievance against the parents. A grievance against the government. A grievance against the church. The grievance against believers. A grievance against, against a partner. A grievance against the pastor. A grievance against the president. A grievance against the deacons. The grievance against the elders. Whenever you are such an individual, you must know that you are allergic to accountability. And as long as you are not accountable, you will never overcome any situation. But blessed are those when they find themselves in a circumstance. They say, Lord, what is your will in this circumstance? May you, bring, may you give me the wisdom of how to navigate this unusual circumstance. May you be gracious to me so that I can be able to transcend beyond this circumstance. The such people are the ones that will often be documented in the spiritual books as victors. The Bible has never recorded anyone who is a coward. The Bible has never recorded anyone that remained a victim of circumstances. And if you want to know about the heroes of faith, go into Hebrews 11. It tells you that by faith, by faith, because faith, perfect faith, perfect faith is the master of all circumstances. You hear me? The only way to overcome your circumstance now as we are speaking, it is by perfect faith. Because perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. And perfect faith will remind you that you were born here to control all circumstances. Not some, but all circumstances. Now, let us look here in the message Exodus, paragraph 35, 
when the prophet spoke, spoke about the 12 spies and how 10 came with a negative report, but it was Joshua and Caleb that presented a positive report to the children of Israel. He says, and if you go to look in Exodus paragraph 35, and if you go to look at the circumstances around you, you will faint. I'm speaking to you where you are. If you were to go to look at the circumstances around you, you will faint. But if you will take your eyes off the circumstances and look at what God said about it, then you will overcome, folks. So a lot of times when we are born in a particular circumstance, we allow a circumstance to define us. And when we find ourselves in certain circumstances, we allow those circumstances to define us. But this evening, by the grace of God, refuse to be defined by any circumstance, develop perfect faith and master all the circumstances. Ignore all the factors of your circumstance and know and acknowledge that you were born to overcome all the circumstances, all the circumstances. And here, let me remind you, anyone that is born here on earth, you will have obstacles. I don't care whether you are a message believer. I don't care whether you listen to a tape a day. I don't care whether you get anointed with the Holy Spirit daily. You are going to have challenges on daily basis. You are going to fight battles on daily basis. You're going to be faced with harsh circumstances. Yes, there will be pleasant ones, but there's going to be harsh circumstances. The, war, the life is a battle. Let me, before I get anywhere, life is a battle. Here in Africa, even in the jungles, we know that when a deer wakes up in the morning, it knows that it must outrun the fastest lion in order for it to survive. Even when you go into the animal kingdom, it's a battle. It's, a, it's the survival of the fittest. And if it happens in the animal kingdom, how much more here as human beings? You're going to find people that are going to hate you. You're going to find people that are going to criticize you. You're going to find people that are going to reject you. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to withdraw into your corner and bury your head and cry like a baby and move through life as a victim, complain or complain? Or are you going to shrug off criticism? Are you going to look at what the word says about you and who you are based on the revelation of the hour, are you going to embrace what God thinks of you and what he has spoken about you and rise above criticism and while being hated, you don't hate, you walk forward because why? You've got the determination that I must be the best that I can be according to God's program. You have a choice. Life is a choice. I say life is a choice. It depends what you make out of life. Now, in the message, perseverance. Perseverance, paragraph 42. 
It says, for thou canst believe. Now, to achieve anything, you've got to set a goal and say this, I believe, and tie yourself to it and keep drawing, moving up closer to it, knowing that you have is there, knowing that there is something there that you are coming to. The prophet is even giving you advice, even in the natural. If you can believe. Now to achieve anything, you've got to set a goal and say, this, I believe. And tie yourself to it and keep drawing and moving up closer to it, knowing it's there, knowing that there is something there that you are coming to. So, the first thing for you to overcome your circumstance, maybe you are a young child. You are born in a family that you are not proud of, as the prophet was born in the family that he was not proud of. Poor family. The father is a drunkard. The family is an outcast of the community. He goes to school with a torn apart shirt. He He's there, but look how God took William Brenham from a family of drunkards, went on to make him the prophet of a dispensation to preach to thousands upon thousands and move around the world seven times. Folks, if you give God a chance, God will amaze what he can do out of your life. Let me say this again. If you give God a chance, God will amaze you of what he can do in your life. Now, he carries on in the same message, perseverance, paragraph 44. He says, well, that's the way faith is. You see, faith is the key that unlocks the doors. Faith is the key that overcomes circumstances. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As long as you set your faith on it and then anchor to it, you are coming to it. No matter if you can't see it or not, you know it's there anyhow. You are tugging at it and it's pulling you. And any man... Any man that's ever done anything worthwhile has set a goal. Even we, let me not say much and read the rest of it. And then being persistent, persevering to make that great man. So anyone or any man that has ever done anything that's worthwhile has set a goal. And has been persistent and persevering to make that great mean. It takes perseverance. For you to break out of any circumstance, it takes you to set a goal. And even spiritually, we as the bride of Jesus Christ have a goal. We are caught up in this sinful circumstance where 
it is characterized by diseases it is characterized by death is characterized by heartaches is characterized by graves is characterized by hatred wickedness but we've got a goal and our goal is the rapture and we're going to be persistent we're going to be perseverant until we're going to persevere until we make it and even you on a human level whatever circumstance that you are in if you are not happy with the circumstance that you find yourself in set a goal create a goal and say i need to get out of this and tack at it it will pull you it will pull you and keep on keep on it and then it will become a reality that's why i say life is a battle life has no room for pity parties and if you mold your children you must prepare them that life is an uphill yes there are downhills but there are uphills yes there are mountains but yet there are valleys yes there will be people that will love them and there will be people that will hate them there will be people that will accept them and there will be people that will reject them but acceptance or rejection hatred or love the valley or the mountain should never define them they should find their identity in the word of god because the word of god and their identity that is revealed by the word of god will make them to transcend every circumstance that they find themselves in and against all odds they will overcome against all odds they will do exploits the prophet says in the message lift him up out of history paragraph 53 he says but today the people if they don't get everything they ask for the first time they pray they seem to think that he's dead what we need is men and women today of gallant spirit men and women who are determined to hold on till they see a god that really lives and comes into action that will not take no for an answer unquote we need men and women that will not take no for an answer why they refuse to be defined by their backgrounds they refuse to be defined by their family spirits they refuse to be defined by people that rejected them they refuse to be defined on the devil's terms they refuse to to be defined by sinful terms they will not take no for an answer 
they will not learn to be accustomed to a particular circumstance. If a circumstance is not approved by God, they will fight it. They will attack it. They will charge towards it until they overcome it. Folks, in every age, God calls for overcomers. God is not going to partner with you if you're going to be a victim. God is not going to partner with you. And while it's here, before I finish the quotation, yes, there are women that have been abused in the world that know nothing about God, that know nothing about the revelation of, of the message. But these women, some of them went on to write books to inspire many women that may be in their situation. Some of them went on to achieve their achievements, became mind-boggling despite backgrounds that they find themselves in. Then what breaks my heart, a believer with a very minor irritation from Satan, withdraws into a corner, develops bitterness, complains daily, refuses to engage in anything constructive, negativity after negativity, you can't do that, a believer. If somebody, I read somebody that wrote a book about the power of human spirit, showing people that overcame extraordinary circumstances to be where they are today. And I say, if a human, just with the power of the human spirit, refusing to give up, can go on to achieve extraordinary things despite their extraordinary circumstances, how much more about the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's carry on on this quotation. And today, the people, if they don't get everything they ask for the first time, they pray, they seem to think that he's dead. What we need is men and women. What we need is men and women today of gallant spirit. Men and women who are determined to hold on. Till they see a God that lives and comes into action. That will not take no for an answer. They are determined to stay with it. If they are sick and the doctor said they can't get well, yet something within them tells them they are going to be well. Hold on, no matter what takes place. Have you joined the churches of the denominational world after you have escaped all your strength from walking from place to place and you still can't find relief? There is still a God that answers prayer and saves from sin. In your circumstance, here is a key message. There is still a God that answers prayer and that can address 
any circumstance as I come to the end of my sermon. What circumstance do you find yourself in? What circumstance do you find yourself in that has become overwhelming? What circumstance have you found yourself in that triggers your anxiety levels? What circumstance have you found yourself in that makes you nervous? That makes you worrisome? What circumstance have you found yourself in that makes you have a heartache and a headache? Tonight we say there is still a God who answers prayer. But what attracts this God is a gallant man, is a gallant woman who is not willing to give up. Somebody that will hold on until God comes onto the scene. Somebody that will hold on until God comes into their circumstance. Your circumstance can be changed by the word of God. How? The word is here to build your faith. The word is here to perfect your faith so that your faith becomes a master of all circumstances. So I've got a message for Satan and I may as well say it on your behalf to Satan. Yes, I was born this way. Yes, I was born in this circumstance. Yes, my family is this way. Yes, I was rejected. Yes, I was hated. Yes, I was undermined. But I know one thing. God always supports underdogs. I am rising as an underdog after recognizing who I am in the, his, in the revelation of God's weight. I am an attribute of God expressed today. I am the weight made flesh. I am the bride of Jesus Christ. And there is no circumstance that can redefine me because I was already defined in eternity by the almighty God. I am coming to a full realization of who I am and I refuse to succumb to any circumstance, be it financial, be it marital, be it health-wise, whatever circumstance that may be there, I have an acknowledgement and I've heard from God's prophet that I was born to overcome all circumstances. So I'm done with pity parties. I'm done with acting like a victim. I'm done with complaining. I'm going to embrace gratitude. I'm going to speak positivity into my life. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to allow any negative thought to come to my mind. I'm not going to allow the devil to play with my mind. I am going to allow my mind to be purified by the unadulterated word of the living God. I will speak my victories before they are attained. I will testify of my healings even before I get sick. Devil, no matter what you bring my way, the word has a solution. And I am reminded of what God said in his word 
if the enemy cometh like a, like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. I am raising the standard of my faith. I am raising the standard of my living. I'm raising the standard of my convictions. I'm raising the standard of my value system. I am here because I've responded to the call of the pillar of fire. And David, you will never discourage me. I refuse to be discouraged by you because I know who I am according to God's weight. I will overcome. I have no DNA of defeat. I have no DNA of retreat. I come from the genetic pool of the likes of Joshua. Such a great commander in Israel. I come from the genetic pool of people like Gideon. I come from the genetic pool of people like Samson. I come from the genetic pool of people like Abraham, Moses. People that refused, that faced the giants of their time and overcame. And here I am in the end time, surrounded by giants. But I'm going to celebrate my victory like one of my ancestors, David. Yes, spiritual ancestor, according to the genealogy of God. I come from that genetic pool. The genetic pool that refused to submit to Satan and his vices. As we come to the end, maybe you want me to pray for you in your circumstance as we have our heads bowed. Satan wanted to fight this message. It is for a reason. I'm amazed that I was able to stream and do a lot of things, but every time I want to stream a service, there's always... A battle is because Satan knows that we are dislodging him from his position. But I'm glad that I was able to bring this message to your doorstep. And the key message is you were born. You, not the prophet, not Jesus. You were born to overcome every circumstance. And if you want me to remember you in prayer, pray for you. You may raise your hand wherever you are. I don't have to see you. God sees you. I don't have to see your heart. God sees your heart. You may indicate and defy the force of gravity and say, Lord, despite all the circumstances, you know me. I need you. I need to be remembered in prayer. And I'm going to remember you in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father. We approach your throne of mercy. There are young people that have been victims of circumstances. There are middle-aged people, as the prophet later on spoke, in marriage and divorce, that some people are caught up in marriage and divorce because of they've been victims of theology. We have been victims of different circumstances but I'm glad that we don't need to remain in those circumstances. There is a provided way by you, the Almighty God, for us to migrate out of our circumstances and embrace our divine identity 
as it has been revealed by the wait in the end time. May you, dear God, nudge every believer and remind them that they were born, they were predestinated, they were destined to be overcomers. We cannot be defeated by Satan. Satan is a liar. Satan is a thief. Satan is a destroyer. But I'm glad he was defeated in heaven and was kicked out. That's why there is no place no more for him in heaven. And here he came to the earth. And you followed him and took a body of flesh and went on to Calvary and defeated him on Calvary. Here we are in the end time. Our responsibility, our mandate, our commission is to enforce his defeat. May you help every individual that is within the sound of my voice through this further dimension. May you, dear God, visit them. May you help them to overcome. Dear God, may you help them. May you provoke a sense of indignation for them to refuse their circumstances, to refuse their conditions, to refuse whatever report that may have been drafted by the enemy and to believe in your report. I pray for them. Pray for their families. Pray for their children. Pray for their health. Pray for their finances. Pray for everything that they touch. May it prosper. And may they be reminded that when it prosper, that it is not because of their intellect or their ability. It is because of grace. Remember how you reminded David that you were once a shepherd boy, but I made you a king. As your prophet said, I was poor. I was a, an outcast. I was a reject. But today, by the grace of God, I am a meaningful member of the community. And he said it was not because of his education. It was not because of his background. It was because of grace. And I believe wherever believers may be, may grace go their way and change their circumstances so that they are defined by the weight, not by a circumstance. As we commit everything to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. It has been a pleasure speaking to you. Don't worry about the picture. Satan fights, but God always wins. The prophet says you can kill the messenger, but you can't kill the message. He was able to kill the picture, but he can't kill the message. You have heard me, and it wasn't me, it was by God's grace. That's why despite all, the message has been delivered. God bless you richly. Shalom.